0: You would be seated if you're going to preach with me this morning. Well, it's like three, okay. Three of you, right? The Fallacy of Man's Pursuit. The date is March 4th, 1865. The United States has endured three years... 10 months and 18 days of the bloodiest war in the history of mankind to that point. And it remains the bloodiest war in our nation's history. Three quarters of a million Americans have given their lives on the battlefield. Almost one million more have been wounded or accidental accidental casualties in the U.S. Civil War. With this backdrop of loss and grief and destruction and despair, Abraham Lincoln rises this day, March 4th, 1865, to deliver his second inaugural address after an absolutely stunning political victory. No one expected him to win a second term because of the war. In fact, his election victory was so surprising that in his second inaugural speech, he doesn't even lay out a plan for the future. However, in that address, he closes And I paraphrase, fondly do we hope, fervently do we pray, that this mighty scourge of war may speedily pass away. Yet if God wills that it continues until every drop of blood drawn with the lash shall be paid another drawn with the sword, so still it must be said that the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous all together with malice toward none with charity for all with firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right let us finish the work we are in to bind up the nation's wounds to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow, and for his orphans. To do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. And so we begin our pursuit, our human pursuit, for a just and lasting peace by praying and depending upon the God of peace. Imagine this, the President of the United States, in his inaugural address before the nation, publicly prays and acknowledges that a just and lasting peace can only come from connection with our creator 43 days later president Lincoln is dead 25 days after the president is assassinated general Robert E. Lee surrenders at the McLean house in Appomattox Virginia and the civil war comes to an end A just and lasting peace I'm talking to you this morning about the fallacy of man's pursuit. <laughs> October fourteenth, nineteen sixty two, President John F. Kennedy learns that the Soviet Union has deployed ballistic missiles on the island of Cuba. These missiles are capable of delivering atomic warheads to the continental United States. They sit just 90 miles off the mainland of the United States. 17 years after the first atomic bomb was detonated, the world finds itself on the brink of annihilation. On October 22nd, 7 p.m. Eastern, President Kennedy delivers a nationwide televised address on all of the major news networks announcing the discovery of the missiles. In that address, he goes on to say, It shall be the policy of this nation. I see many of you shaking your head as... All of a sudden, you're recounting you watching this somewhere, except Isaac. He was not born yet. (laughs) It should be the policy of this nation to regard any nuclear missile launched from Cuba against any nation in the Western Hemisphere as an attack by the Soviet Union on the United States requiring a full retaliatory response upon the Soviet Union. And with this red line drawn in the sand, the extinction of man teeters on the theory of mutually assured destruction. Not Peace, but mutual assured destruction. President Kennedy and his advisors, they successfully avert nuclear war by negotiating with the Soviets. But a just and lasting peace, that which Abraham Lincoln spoke of, mutually assured destruction is at most peace through fear. At most eight months removed from those successful negotiations, President Kennedy delivered his famous speech entitled "A Strategy of Peace." A strategy of peace, not the idea of peace that Abraham Lincoln spoke of, but a strategy of peace. American University, June sixth or June tenth, nineteen sixty-three, and I paraphrase we shall also do our part to build a world of peace where the weak are safe and the strong are just. We are not helpless before that task or hopeless of its success. Confident and unafraid, we must labor on, not towards a strategy of annihilation, but towards a strategy of peace. What kind of peace do I mean and what kind of peace do we seek? Not a Pax Americana forced on the world by American weapons of war. Not the peace of the grave or the security of the slave. I am talking about a genuine peace. The kind of peace that makes life on earth worth living and the kind that enables man and nations to grow and to hope And build a better life for their children. Not merely a peace for Americans, but peace for all men and women. Not merely a peace in our time, but peace in all time. This is his speech for a strategy of peace. First, examine our attitudes towards Towards peace itself. Too many of us think it impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable and that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces that we cannot control. Listen closely. We are gripped by forces that we cannot control. We need not accept that view. This is Kennedy. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. And man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. And so just and lasting peace turns to be a pursuit in all time, not by praying and depending upon the God of peace, but trusting in humanity itself. Stay stay with me. I'm going somewhere, and I feel the presence of God in this place. December 10th, 2009. President Obama delivers his Nobel lecture in the Oslo City Hall in Oslo, Norway. He is accepting a Nobel Peace Prize while he is delivering his lecture. While he is delivering his lecture, U.S. forces are on the ground in Iraq and in Afghanistan they are engaged in executing the war on terror. And the man that gave the command for them to be there is receiving a Nobel Peace Prize. Stay with me. Watch this. His lecture is entitled, A Just and Lasting Peace. He concludes it with, and I quote, Somewhere today, in here and now, in the world as it is, a soldier sees he's outgunned but stands firm to keep the peace. Somewhere today in in this world, a young protester awaits the brutality of her government but has the courage to march on. Somewhere today, a mother facing punishing poverty still takes the time to teach her child. Scrapes together what few coins she has to send that child to school because she believes that a cruel world still has a place for that child's dreams. Let us live by their example. Watch this. We can acknowledge that oppression will always be with us and still strive for justice. We can admit the intractability of depravity and still strive for dignity. Clear eyed, we can stand there, we can understand that there will be war and still strive for peace. We can do that, for that is the story of human progress. That's the hope of all the world. And at this moment of challenge, that must be our work here on earth. And so the great struggle of mankind is clearly seen again in this 100 And 44 year snapshot. More than a century ago, the most powerful among us publicly prayed for a just and lasting peace acknowledged by the Creator. Acknowledging that God is the source of that peace. 50 years later, the most powerful declare that man is the source of all answers and for all mankind, including peace. And just a mere 150 years later, the most powerful among us acknowledge that even in the absence of world war, man is ill equipped to provide peace. Or any of his own answers. In order for man to remain reliant upon man and not God, man must define human endeavor and its achievements differently. Right. Define it such that dignity can coexist with. Depravity, That justice can coexist with oppression and that peace can coexist with war. This morning I rise to this sacred desk not to cast down human endeavor or disparage man's achievements, but to simply state man reliant on mankind will always fail. Now, I'm done reading. You can help me preach now. Man left to himself will justify himself as he is. Man left to improve himself will never find anything beyond himself. And man left to save himself will always end up lost. I proclaim this single truth to you this morning. Man can only succeed. Man can only change. Man can only improve. Man can only be saved when man relinquishes control of himself to a just and wise God. You can't redefine it. You can't make it different, but there is one single truth that I am talking to you about this morning, and that is there is none good, none good, none good. There's not one of us that's in this place that's good. Left to yourself, you're not good, Isaac Middleton. Jim Barr, left to yourself, you're a sinner.
1: That's right.
0: That's exactly right. Tony Lewis, left to yourself, you are no better than anyone else in this place. There is one thing more than any other that this age and its leader and humankind seek, and that is that elusive thing of peace. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1 says, But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not, escape. Listen to this preacher this morning. God has ordained that man, man will never achieve peace in any age. At the closing, at the very last, at the very last that we will be on earth, the Bible says that there will be those that are around us that will claim peace and safety. But when they begin to claim peace and safety... 144 years later, after the, bloodiest, the time that there was the bloodiest blood war in U.S. history, and our president stands to proclaim a just and lasting peace, 144 years later, our president stands to collect the Nobel Peace Prize and redefines, try to redefine what peace is. Because anybody with a brain in your skull looks around and says that there is no peace on the earth. There is no safety on the earth. So you've got to redefine that to where that peace can coexist with war. My, my, my. The end of all of this is wrapping up. We are in the last days. There is a God that is a soon coming God for a church that has prepared herself spotless and blameless. Amen. Well, I believe that. (laughs) I believe that there will come a day that the trump of God will sound. Well, I wish... two, three, four, five, six. More than nine actually believe that. I said that I believe that there is a day coming, regardless of how much people declare that there is peace and safety in this world. There is a day coming that Jesus Christ will be seen in the clouds. The trumpet of God will sound. And those of us that are alive and remain will be caught up. God has ordained that man will never achieve peace in any age. John 16, 32 says, Behold, the hour cometh. Yea, is now come that ye shall be scattered. Every man to his own and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you that in... Me. This is Jesus. That in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation or pressure or problems. But be of good cheer. Cause Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And here's the good news about that is that if you are in Jesus and Jesus has overcome the world, well, guess what, baby? That means that you. Do I need to say that again? If Jesus said, I have overcome the world and he said, in me, you might have peace. If you're in Jesus, you've overcome the world. That means all the tribulation, all the pressure, all the problems. Those things are of, that, of this world. But because I am in him, a just and lasting peace. Many of you are here this morning because of the emptiness that is in your life. What you are missing is Jesus. You don't need more speech. You don't need a different definition of peace. You don't need a different definition of security. You need Jesus. come on, help me somebody. I know this is simple, but you need Jesus. You don't need a better job. You need Jesus. You don't need a better husband. You need Jesus. You don't need a better, anybody. You don't need a better wife. You need Jesus. You don't need better kids. You need Jesus. You don't need a better church family. You need Jesus. You don't need better leadership. You need Jesus, baby. You don't need more money. You need Jesus. You don't need a bigger house. You need Jesus. You don't need a faster car or a second car. You need Jesus. You don't need new family. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. Jesus. I'm trying to move on, but you need Jesus. You don't need better grades in college. You need Jesus. You don't need people to leave you alone. My, my, my. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 1 says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. You need Jesus without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the son of God, abideth a priest continually, continually. This is talking about Jesus. And what he's, what this was saying is, is that what you need is Jesus because Jesus doesn't change. God does not change. If God ever changes, he's not God. No, nor end beginning. Neither. He doesn't have beginning of days. He doesn't have an end of life. He He is just there. He is the king of peace. Doesn't that it? He is the king of peace. That means regardless of how bad it gets, he's still the king of peace. If you walk out of here this morning and your problems are worse this afternoon than they were when you got in here, he is still the king of peace. He is the God of peace. He is the king of peace. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 says, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ. You get that? You were without Christ. You weren't in Christ. You were without Christ, You were outside of Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. No hope. They were outside of God. And outside of God, there exists no hope. Outside of God, there exists no peace. (laughs) Having no hope and without God in the world. But But now, but now, baby, in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You ready? For he is our who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, Mm. and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. There's not one cross for the Jews. There's not one cross for the Gentiles. There's not one cross for the rich, one cross for the poor, one cross for the U.S. citizen, one cross for the non-U.S. citizen. There is one cross. Having slain the enmity, therefore, and came and preached peace to you, which were far off, and to them that were nigh. For through him both we have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and in the household of God. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. Here's the punchline. Our peace is determined by our relationship with our God. The closer we are to God, when he draws us nigh, the more peace I have. The farther I am away from God, the less peace I have. He is the king of peace. He is the Lord of peace. He is the God of peace. The closer we are to the world, the more empty the promises the world has are to you. The more we relinquish control, Of the smallest details, the closer we can come to God. And the closer we are to him, the more peace we have. Peace and safety they shall proclaim in the last days. Peace and safety they shall say we're safer than we've ever been. But yet you got those that are running cars into crowds and jumping out with knives. In the United States, peace and safety, a just and lasting peace. What is our path to peace? Luke chapter 1 and verse 57 says, now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered. This isn't my Christmas message, but I'm going to get it in while I can. And she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her. And they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day, when they came to circumcise the child, they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, not so, but he shall be called John. And they said to her, there's none of your kin by that name. And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and wrote saying, his name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was immediately opened, and his tongue loosed. And he spake and praised God. And fear came on all that dwelt round about them. And all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the country of Judea. And all all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him, and his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. He foretold of what was coming, talking to you about the path of peace. Zacharias prophesied and said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his Unto us, that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve without fear. See, can I tell you that the proper definition of peace is not the absence of violence. The proper biblical definition of peace is not the absence of war because the book says that there shall be wars and rumors of wars throughout all the age. But the proper biblical definition of what peace is is to exist without fear. We are so fearful that we need to take pills to sleep. We are so fearful that we need to take pills to wake up. We are so fearful that most of us would deny that we are fearful. That we might serve him without feel, fear. Fear. In holiness and righteousness before him. All the days of our life. Zechariah was prophesying about us. And thou, child, and thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. Watch this. To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission... Of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God. Whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. To give light to them that sit in darkness. And the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. He prophesied that there would be a way. There would be a path. Of Peace to where that you could live and exist without fear, not without knowledge. There's no one that can that can close themselves off and live in a bubble and not acknowledge that we live in fearful times. We live in fearful times like we've never lived in fearful times before. But just because the times are fearful doesn't mean that I have to be fearful or that you have to be fearful because in him, in Jesus... In Him, in Jesus. When we are in Jesus, we are in the King of Peace. The God of Peace is in us. The only path, the only path to peace is God. It is Jesus. You can't do enough mental ascent. To find peace. You can't do enough yoga. You can't do enough meditation. You can't take enough prescription drugs. You can't shoot it. You can't snort it. Come on, somebody help me. You can't drink it. You cannot find peace in anything that this world has made. But you can find peace. I found peace one day, October 22nd, 1955, when I walked into a Pentecostal service and I loosed control over my tongue, I got into God and God got into me and I walked out of the back of that church different than I'd ever been. I walked into the same world that I walked out of, but I was different because when I got into God, when I got into God, he delivered me. Now, I don't know about you, baby, but he delivered me because I was an alcoholic I was a drug addict. I had a gambling problem. But when I got in him and he got in me, everything that this world has ever made and every lie that it's ever told didn't have any effect on me. I was in the world. In this world, you're going to have pressure. You're going to have problems. But be of good cheer. If I'm in him, this is what it means. He said I have overcome. Let me say it a different way. He said, "I've won utter and certain victory. There's no part of the world. there's no part of this age that has any victory over Jesus." Amen. Amen. The path of peace. God is the only source and path of peace what is that path ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15 says and have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace that word gospel literally means good news have your feet covered With the good news of peace. Now, those are dapper. The only thing that separates this man from touching the world is what he's got on his feet. And what insulates you from being able to have contact with the world, but the world not affect you, is what you got on your feet. The gospel of peace. What that means is, where you go, the gospel goes with you. That means where I put my feet, he goes with me. Everywhere I am, he's with me. Whether I'm sitting or whether I'm standing, he's with me. The king of peace is with me. Whether I'm sitting in the hardest of circumstances in a meeting or the easiest of circumstances, he's with me. The gospel of peace The good news of peace. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. What is this pathway? I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which ye have also received. I received the gospel. How about you? I received the good news. And wherein I stand, I stand in the gospel. I stand on the thing that insulates me from this age, from this world. I stand in the gospel by which you also are saved. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm saved by the gospel. By which, by what? By the gospel you are saved. It's not mental ascent. It's not how much peace you have or you don't have. It's not how much money you got in your bank account or you don't. It is by the gospel. And here's what Paul said. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first This is what he gave them. This is what the gospel was. This was the first thing, the very first thing that Paul said, I delivered, I gave unto you, was the gospel. Here's the first thing that I gave to you, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. The first thing that he gave was the gospel that Christ died and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures i've got a question for you first thessalonians says that that uh, god is coming back with his angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not god and obey not the gospel right how do you obey the death burial and being rose again being risen again i'll tell you it's real simple when you come to a place to the end of you and you relinquish control and acknowledge that i do not have it in me to be i cannot save myself that brings you to one point and that is a place of repentance Of where you die out before God, where you acknowledge God. God, I cannot do this by myself. Forgive me for trying to do what only you can do. Forgive me for trying to be God when you alone can be God. Listen to me, it's taken, a, taken us 150 years to get to the place that we can acknowledge that what we have inside of us is not good enough. We don't have the answers, but he does. How do you obey death? You repent. You lay down your will, your life, and say, God, I know that what you have for me, that it is the best. How do you obey burial? Right back here in this corner, through that window where Brother Vernell Spriggs Jr. is, there's a beautiful baptismal tank. And we believe that when a person is buried, when they are baptized, that they are buried. Okay, let me say like, this is what I believe. I believe that when you go back to that baptismal tank back there, I believe this. And when someone calls over you, the precious, matchless, all-powerful name of Jesus, and says, I now baptize you according to God's holy commandment in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Woo! I believe that when they come up out of that water, that everything that was stays in that water, buried. That's how good Jesus is. That's how powerful the name is that we were singing about. It doesn't matter the sin. It doesn't matter how much you've sinned. It's not how much water there is, it's how much God... The Bible says that we have been planted. And if we are planted, that we shall also be resurrected. There's something about seed that if you can ever get seed in the ground, if you can ever bury seed and put a little bit of water on it, It'll break through that world. It'll break through that earth. It'll break the surface of what it was buried in. We believe that when you're buried in baptism, when you come up, that you can be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost that you, we believe that the very God of peace that I'm preaching about this morning, that he will come and fill you, that he will inhabit you. And we believe that God is so wise that he div- divinely Developed a way that I would know when he came into me, that when God filled me with the Holy Ghost, when God filled me with his spirit, that there would be a sign that I would know and everyone would know that an invisible God has just stepped out of eternity and is indwelling in me. You, you might have heard what that sign is. Hallelujah. Right? It sounds a lot like this. <laughs> because when God fills you, the Bible says that when you speak in an unknown tongue, that you speak the mysteries of your heart to God. No man knows his own heart. No man you Isaac, you don't know what's hidden in your heart. But God is good enough that he divinely inspired it that even if I don't know, he provided a way for me to express what I didn't know in my head, what's in my heart to him. You ready for this? Because the more that you can relinquish control, the more God can be God. Watch this. God is so good, Kevin Breckinridge, that even the place that you don't know that you're trying to control, God is so good that even the place that's hidden in your heart, that no man knows, that you don't even know. God is so good that He provides a way that you can even relinquish control of the unknown part of your heart. God wants you to be so much in Him that He provided a way. He provided a path that we call the gospel of peace that you could get in Him regardless of what was going on in your head because God, the principle of the Bible, the principle of scripture is, is that man looks on the outside. But God, He doesn't even see the outside. He just straight to the heart. The gospel of peace. Sister Bailey, would you come? The fallacy of man's pursuit. Would you stand with me? Your path to the king of peace is the good news. It is the gospel. We are so thankful that you have chosen to be our guest here this morning. It thrills us. We'd love to have you come back. But more so than you coming back what we'd like for you to have before you leave is peace. We'd love for you to have an encounter with the king of peace. Would you close your eyes for a moment? There's someone in this place that I see you right now. You are having So much difficulty going to sleep at night. God wants to heal you this morning. You've medicated and it's made no difference. You're more tired when you wake up than when you go to bed regardless of how many pills that you take. The Holy Ghost is moving in this place right now. Could you just close your eyes for a moment and begin to pray? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God wants to give you peace this morning. Peace that the Bible says passes all understanding. That it goes straight to the heart. It keeps our heart and minds through Christ Jesus. If you're in this place this morning and you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues, we would love the opportunity to pray with you. If you've never been water baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus we would love to baptize you this morning but more importantly than all of those or I should say more urgently not more importantly but more urgently is that if you're in this place and you've never had an encounter with the eternal just the only wise God, we would love an opportunity to pray with you. Church, the Holy Ghost is moving right now and God is healing. God is healing someone in this place right now. Someone in this place is relinquishing the last bit of control that they've held. Fear always wants to grip and control. Faith always releases to a just and all powerful God. If you're in this place and you'd like to encounter God, I'd invite you to come. The people that are next to you, all you've got to do is just look at them, and they'll come with you to the altar to pray. Amen. Church, could you just invite those that are around you right now? They might have been here for a long time, but just turn to your neighbor and say, Hey, I think I'm going to go pray. You want to come with me? Can you do that? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes. Come on. In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray that faith would move in this place right now. God, that someone would come to the acknowledging of the fallacy of their pursuit of you. Their pursuit of of peace. And understand that It can only be gotten by you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, come on, on, there are people all over this place that are laying themselves on the altar. Brother Ron Richards, would you just turn around and pray for that young lady right behind you there? Brother, help him. In the name of Jesus, help him. In the name of Jesus. Sis, when he lays his hand upon you, God is going to deliver you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, your word declares that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. God, I speak death to the spirit of fear that is controlling, that is her. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we bind up fear and we lose peace. In the name of Jesus, we lose the King of peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Je- yes, receive. In the name of Jesus, receive huh. Hallelujah. Harondola Kosia. Yes. Hallelujah. Haranda lola corrava siandola cora sholo. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, peace, peace, peace. Hallelujah,
1: they have to obey.
0: I'm glad I know the peace speaker, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Be delivered
1: made whole peace, peace Hallelujah They have to obey
0: In the name of
1: Jesus And that I know the speaks oh, yes, holy i know here by name. Hallelujah
0: Hallelujah Church, please be respectful of those that are praying around you. God bless you. Service tonight at 6 p.m. For our guest, we'd love to have an opportunity to meet you and give you a gift. We'd love for you to visit us in the hospitality center. In the name of Jesus, we're not dismissing. The Spirit of God is moving in this place. Hallelujah.